If you're like me, you care about getting the most from your workouts, which means wearing the finest performance gear. You know, fabric that dries quickly and has superior moisture wicking properties. Fabric so soft and comfortable, you could, well, curl up and sleep in it. Introducing Sheeks, spelled S-H-E-E-X, the world's first performance bedding line. Sheeks began when two former elite athletes and coaches had an aha moment, combining everything we love about quality performance fabric with everything we love about comfortable, irresistible bedding. Unlike traditional sheets that trap heat, sheets are breathable, so you aren't constantly waking up to throw off covers or add a blanket. So you sleep deeper, longer, and better. And sheets bedding looks as good as it feels. Colors and styles that can match any decor at a price that will pleasantly surprise you. And right now, you can try sheets for 30 nights risk-free. Just go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212. This is our number three of the World According to Zig podcast for this August 5th, 2018. My name is John Ziegler. I'm the host of this show where you can still get the truth about the news of the day from a conservative perspective in this world turned upside down. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. This is a special bonus, hour number three, because during our uh, unscheduled hiatus for the podcast, we um, I did do an interview on a day where a podcast was scheduled, which just happened to be the afternoon of the infamous Helsinki press conference between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. And boy, we had some great timing. Of course, it didn't work out because that's the way life works in John Ziegler's world. Anything that can go wrong will indeed go wrong. Uh, we were not able to do the uh, podcast that day for reasons uh, beyond my control. Uh, but we had an interview scheduled with General Michael Hayden, former CIA director under uh, George Bush and Barack Obama, about what he saw at that press conference. Um, and I was fascinated to hear what he had to say. Uh, for those who do not know, um, Hayden and I aren't, I wouldn't call us friends, but we're friendly because we have a kind of an odd connection to uh, Steubenville, Ohio, where I once worked and wrote a book about the Steubenville High School football team. Uh, my, I have a surrogate mother who still lives in Steubenville, and Michael Hayden is a member of that family. And so that was, that's the connection. Plus, he's a big Pittsburgh Steeler fan, so the fact that uh, Franco Harris and I are friends probably doesn't hurt either. Uh, but Michael is a great guy, uh, and General Hayden, I, I really do believe, is, is keeping his powder dry because of what he anticipates is going to happen at the end of this Russia investigation, and he wants to be able to maintain as much objectivity and credibility as possible as a former Republican CIA director. Uh, but I think you'll still find this interview to be fascinating. The audio is not fantastic, but it's certainly listenable because of the way that I had to record it. But here is um, my interview with uh, General Michael Hayden on the day of the Helsinki press conference. General Michael Hayden, former director of the CIA and author of the book, The Assault on Intelligence. Thanks so much for joining us. Obviously, this has been an incredibly busy news day. I'm quite sure that you saw the joint press conference between President Trump and Vladimir Putin. Uh, obviously, it, it's, it's not it's not too often that we can just ask, what's your reaction? <laughs> but but why don't we just start with that? What was your reaction to what you saw? Yeah, so, John, I was going to be on CNN tonight, so I was actually watching it very closely, actually taking notes. And, you know, for the first 80% of it, 85%, 
I, you know, if I, if I had to score it, I would say Putin was ahead on points. But, uh, you know, there were no knockdowns. There were no cups above the eye. And I was preparing my thoughts to say tonight, you know, it was, it was okay. I was fearful about the summit, but I think there's some positive things here. And then we got this nuclear detonation at the end that, that blew all those judgments away because of a very difficult, tough, and insightful question from an American newsman that he tossed at both presidents about what the Russians did during the 2016 campaign and elections. And, it, and at that point, I, I think it's fair to describe that for President Trump, uh, in my view, all the wheels began to fly off, John. General Hayden, uh, there's been so many different reactions, almost universally condemning what happened, uh, almost to, uh, and basically the only difference being to what degree, and we've seen almost every degree of reaction. Uh, what was your level uh, of uh, umbrage or outrage about what you saw? It, it was pretty high. But, you know, I, I've seen some of um, folks from what I would call my tribe, already tweet about impeachment and so on. Uh, I, I've not done that, John. Um, this is a serious political question for us as a nation. And, and the way to change presidents isn't through extraordinary measures. It's to vote and vote in the next regularly scheduled election. And, John, you know, it's, it's a little bit out of my lane, but I'll offer the view that if President Trump is removed through any of these extraordinary methods, um, a good one-third of my countrymen will view that to have been a coup. And, and that's not good for America. So I am content to let the truth continue to come out and let the truth take us where it will. You uh, you referenced a third of America, which I know you deal with in your book, The Assault on Intelligence, which I do want to get to. But there are a couple other things I want to get to about the press conference first. You, you seem to have alluded, sure. you seem to have alluded to the, the comments of John Brennan, who held the same job that you did as the exactly. the director yeah. of the CIA, who, who called for effectively for impeachment and called uh, what he saw treasonous. What was your reaction to that? Look, I, I, I know John. I, I know John deeply believes what he says. I, I just don't think. Well, I view myself. I try anyway, John, to, to be what I call the fact witness. Uh, you can you can pick up anybody you want in Pittsburgh or Steubenville or <laughs> anywhere in Western Pennsylvania and ask them for an opinion. And each man or woman's opinion is worth as much as the other. I do have some experience in intelligence, and I think experience adds value. So I, I try to confine my comments to, to those things that I know something about. And so I, I, I would not say what John says, how John says it, but, but, I, but I do get the urgency in, in what's behind the things that he tweets. Is it possible, uh, General Hayden, that John Brennan is aware of things that are not in the public record that are directing his thoughts uh, in his reaction to the to what he saw today? So, John, I want to give you a, both a careful and an honest answer. I don't know the reality that you asked whether or not it was possible, and, and the answer has to be, of, of course, that's possible. But I, I don't know that 
and, and I'm not claiming that. Okay, now, so back to the press conference specifically. There were so many different things that that uh, seemed to upset people. I know I was personally, frankly, frightened by some of what I what I saw. What would you say would be the one thing that stood out most to you if there was one thing? There are actually two or three, and they, and they came so quickly together, John, that's what created the sense of alarm in me. <clears throat> Number one, uh, the president gets asked a tough question, and, and believe me, that's a tough question. No president would have wanted that question on that stage standing next to the Russian president, but he got it. You're, you're talking, just to be clear, just to be general, Hayden, just to be clear, you're talking about the question where he's asked to either denounce and or warn Putin about interference in American right. elections. Exactly, exactly. And, 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 and frankly, John, I think the, the core question was, who do you believe, your intelligence community or Vladimir Putin? And, and the president says, well, there are two views. Uh, they're both held by good people. And then... Frankly, I don't know why the Russians would have done that. So clearly, the president made it obvious that he was bending in the direction of Putin's denial rather than the intelligence community and now law enforcement community's strong belief that the Russians did this. And in fact, his choice of words, he said Dan Coates came in and said that he thinks the Russians did that. I don't think Dan Coates would use the word think on such a serious issue. I think it, I think it would have been far more forceful. So that's, that, that's one, that, that the president sided with Putin. And then the other thing that was really off-putting and, and a bit scary is that the president began to throw things into the air to obfuscate the question and confuse his audience back here. He brought up Hillary Clinton's emails that have nothing to do with this, the DNC server, and then some Pakistani IT professional, and I still don't know what he was talking about there, all designed to obfuscate, uh, to cloud, in the face of what was a remarkably detailed indictment last Friday from the special counsel's office. Okay, now... I, I agree with all that, uh, and, and but yet there's so much more. Um, yeah. The 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 a lot of people have have focused on not just that he he accepted uh, Putin's claims, but but then he he sat there and allowed Putin to attack, for instance, Bill Browder, uh, and and did nothing. Uh, Putin effectively not only said that he wanted Trump to win, but depending on how you interpret right. the answer, effect may have said that he actually, I mean, if you technically look at it, he said, yes, I did help Trump win. Uh, and, of course, Trump said nothing about that. What did you make of those aspects of it? So, again, it, it just added fuel to the original fire. Um, uh, Putin was specifically asked whether he had compromise on Trump. Never answered that question either, John. He said, well, when he came to Moscow, I didn't even know who he was, which is different than saying the intelligence services did do some homework on him. And then you're quite right. Uh, Putin equates Browder uh, with uh, what the Russians did to our election and, and seems to suggest that if the Russians are going to cooperate with us on A, He's going to demand cooperation on B, and then I don't think any American president 
would turn an American citizen over to the gentle hands of, of Russian investigations. And, and so you're right. Uh, the president did take a stand on any of that, which kind of brings me back to the core point I was making, John, to this last 10 or 15 percent of the press conference. The president did everything he could to side with Putin in the face of American intelligence, American law enforcement, and, and, I, and I would even add American values. Well, you know, I think so often in the Trump era, especially, we get desensitized and we and we forget about how things are supposed to work. Uh, as a former head of the CIA and someone who's worked in various, various aspects of intelligence for both Republican and Democratic presidents, could you outline for us what this should have looked like today in a rational world? What should have happened? Yeah, so, so let me make this a, a two-parter, John. Let me, let me go to part one uh, about the, the, the generalized how things should work. Because I have a personal problem here. Former, as you said, a former director of this and that. Um, I am very concerned that we've been going through so much of this, as you'd seem to suggest, that a lot of it now seems normal. And I don't want us to become accepting of these kinds of things as the norms. So I push back. But I have so many opportunities to push back. I run the danger. Of, of appearing to be reflexively negative against the president uh, about being the opposition or even the resistance. And, and I don't want to appear that way. I just don't want us to get used to the new normal. So that's one. Mm -hmm. On this specific question, um, I, I, I think the president gets to say, my intel guys are really confident. Now, the president denies it. But until he can show me evidence to the contrary... I'm going with my intel guys and law enforcement who have shown me what I view to be overwhelming evidence that this did indeed take place. And so it is now the responsibility of President Putin, if he thinks I should have a different view, to show me why that should be. And I would have put that ball on the other side of the net as forcefully as possible. Well, obviously none of that came close to happening. And so my next question is, as somebody who not only held a lot of these positions, including director of the CIA, but knows a lot of the people who are, are still working uh, in, in the, these agencies uh, for President Trump. Would you still be able to work in this administration, in the intelligence agency after today, or would you resign in protest, as some are suggesting that those in, in, in currently in the administration should consider doing? So that's a great question, <clears throat> and I'm going to answer it, but not quite answer it, John. So if I gave you an answer, that, that would be viewed as a judgment on the people currently serving, and I know how tough these jobs are, and it's not fair of me to do that. That said, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to talk a little bit about, about what you asked. Um, I, I don't think it applies to folks, say, like Gina Haskell. Gina's the head of CIA. She's a career intelligence professional. She, she's going to go tend to of blocking and tackling of, at, at CIA. Dan Coates, Senator Coates, <clears throat> a noble guy who's actually been, been, been quite upstanding in, in his commitment to the truth since he's taken the job. Um, Director Coates is in that job because of his political standing. He is a political animal, and it's his political gravitas that the president wanted and which he contributes to the director of national intelligence job. 
And so now a director coach has got to make up his mind as to whether or not, in the face of what just happened, it is a greater service to the nation to stay or to leave. And John, I don't, <clears throat> don't know if you know this, but in the last couple of hours, uh, Director Coates has issued a statement saying the Russians did it, we know they did it, and I'm going to continue to tell the president they did it, or words to that effect. I'm so he never even tried to have that cleared by the White House. So I think that's Director Coates' way of saying, um, I'm not voluntarily jumping over the side, but I'm saying these kinds of things. And so if you're uncomfortable with that, you can push me, but I'm not going voluntarily. And that, in its own way, is a pretty forceful statement. But I, I, is it inappropriate, though, for you to, to express what you think you would have done under similar circumstances. I, again, I'm, 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 I'm reluctant to do that. But let me, let me tell you the question I would face tonight when I got home and sat on my porch after today's day. It, it would be, am I still the guardrail I thought I could be against an inexperienced and impetuous president? Or now is my continued presence in government more as an enabler or as a legitimizer of some things the president's doing that I think are very harmful. And, that, and that's the question they have to face, John. Fair enough. All right. Now, here, let's get to the bottom line question here, the, the, the $64,000 question from people of our generation, if you will, with regard to, to Trump and Putin and Trump and Russia. And I, have, I know you have and, and I have struggled with this throughout this entire investigation as to why it is that it certainly appears that Donald Trump is in some way beholden to Vladimir Putin. And I have tried very, very hard to not succumb to these conspiracy-type theories or these dramatic uh, theories of Trump being some sort of a Russian asset or the the idea that they have some sort of leverage over him. But I have to tell you, General Hayden, after watching what we saw today, it was it is really difficult for me to not conclude that there is something very large that we are unaware of. What do you make of that type of reaction? Yeah, so I was an attaché in a communist country in the 1980s, in Bulgaria, John. And when I got there, my predecessor and I were driving around. It's a hostile environment, so you need to be careful. And he says to me, let, let me give you a piece of advice I've learned over the last couple of years here, Mike. He said, you're, you're going to have a much happier assignment here if you never attribute to malice that which can be equally explained by ignorance. And so I've kind of held that up the way I think you are in what you just said. But, John, I'm with you. The longer this goes, the, the, the less inclined I am to attribute this to ignorance or naivete or, or lack of knowledge because it's so consistent, so pervasive, and today's so stark and, frankly, so serious in its, in its consequences. I'm like you. I got, I got no evidence. Um, but it's harder and harder to, to pass this off as ignorance or some sort of personality quirks. 
So is it fair to say, General Hayden, that after the press conference, you are more inclined than you were before to believe that this could be a, a situation of the president being compromised? I, it com- yeah, I w- wouldn't immediately go to compromise. But there might be something in the history. Uh, maybe even something, John, I mean, Lord, what do I know about these kinds of things? And, and, the, pers- and the president's own personality that makes him unable to see what is obvious to, to, to everyone else. And so, look, back to my being the fact witness, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to jump to conclusions. If I ever get to that conclusion, and I may never get there, but if I ever get there, I, I want most Americans to believe that I got there reluctantly, not enthusiastically, that I got there painfully and not reflexively. And so I'm going to be slow to get to that place. Fair enough. Um, Last question on the press conference. I know that a lot of Americans today are, for lack of a better term, frightened by what they saw. I'm one of them, and I don't frighten easily. What would you say to people in that group about what they saw today? So so I I, I would parse it out just maybe that plus something. And so... Frightened, yes, because, I mean, at all three stops on this tour, bad things happen. And I know the administration tried to put a positive spin in NATO and in Great Britain, and, and they'll probably put a positive spin, try to put a spin on uh, what happened in Helsinki. But I think it was bad news in, in all three places. So there is unarguable, unarguably real damage being done to American well-being, to America, America's position in the world, John. But you know what really worries me? It, 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 it's, so I'm talking to the people you said who are really frightened by what's going on. I'm really frightened by the people in America who aren't really frightened by this, John. And I, and I think the, the lasting harm to, to, to us as a people, to, to, to our political culture, may not be just Donald Trump, and I'm trying to be optimistic here that we can overcome some of this stuff. But what is to become? What are we to do? How, do we, how are we to move beyond uh, the body of people in our country, which is still a pretty substantial number, who either think this is okay or are willing to let it pass? That's what worries me the most. Interesting. Now, that, that's a good segue to your book. Uh, tell, tell us about the book and how it came to be and what you want people to take away from it. Yeah, actually, the, the book kind of foreshadows today's news conference in, in that I, I think we as a society have moved into a kind of a post-truth era in, in, in which a lot of Americans are making decisions less based on fact, data, evidence, and more on feeling, emotion, preference, grievance, loyalty, tribe. We've got a president who is a candidate and now is president, has brilliantly exploited that. And then we've got a foreign power, the Russians, who have recognized the first and second dynamics and are exploiting them and taking advantage of them for their for their own advantage. But it all comes back, John, it all comes back to, to the disregard of objective reality, the disregard of, of truth. And you saw it today at that press conference where, where the president rejected 
more data than you and I will ever see about the, the Russian meddling and interference in the 2016 election. And he equated it and actually put his thumb on the scale on the side of Vladimir Putin, who simply said, it didn't happen. That's what I mean by non-database decision-making, the eclipse of truth, the, the movement into a, a post-truth world. And that's, that's kind of the, the, the center line of the book uh, around which everything is organized. Well, General Hayden, I know you, you live in Pittsburgh, and, and you, similar to my experience, you seem to have a lot of people in your sphere who are Trump voters, even though you, yeah. you're, you're very Trump skeptical. And I, and I know that uh, you did a lot of <laughs> uh, research, if you will, for the book by, by, yeah. ta- by, uh, by talking to Trump voters. I'm curious, what do you think Trump voters' reaction will be to today's events? I don't, I, I, John, I don't know. And, and I, I'd, I'd love to get to that um, back room of the sports bar in the North Hills uh, again and, and talk to folks after this settles for a week or two. What, what do you think now? Um, but, but again, you know, in the research for the book, I, I talked to a lot of people and intelligence officers I <laughs> routinely talked to. And some of them were philosophers and ethicists and so on. And, 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 and one observer pointed out to me, you know, facts aren't very useful from moving people off of positions that weren't created by facts in the first place. Correct. And, and, and so I'm, I'm not sure what this is going to mean for, you know, pick a number, John, 35%, 40% of the, of the American uh, electorate. And, and there's no amount of people trying to stay calm and, and trying to present data and, and appealing to the better angels. So far, it, it hasn't seemed to reduce that, that hardcore support uh, for the president. Now, look, I, I talked to them. Look, I grew up with most of these people. Some of them were relatives in, in, in these interviews. And these are good people. You know, they go to work, they go to church, the kids go to school, they pay the taxes, they do volunteer work. These are great, these are great Americans. They, they feel aggrieved, okay, by, by the changes in the country, and with some justification feels that their government, particularly in Washington, has ignored them to the advantage of a whole bunch of other groups. So, so I, get, I get the grievance. What I don't get is to why they think... This particular president is the answer to that, and and, and and that's the discussion. Last question, General Hayden. And by the way, that's that's those are fascinating points uh, that, I'm, and I'm glad you brought them out. But last question, and it's a media question, since this this interview is for yeah. for mediaite. I'm always very interested in how it is that people who used to be favorites of the conservative media <laughs> are now treated once they're become uh, Trump skeptical, if you will. Uh, so, so how has the conservative media responded, if at all, to your book? And when can we expect to see you on Sean Hannity to promote it? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and John, to be fair, I have, you know, I'm from time to time now the darling of the liberal media, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so, um, actually, uh, I, didn't, I didn't do any promotion of the book on Fox except Fox Radio, which Brian Kilmeade is a, is a very good friend. Um, and, 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 and so I, I 
I've just not been exposed to, uh, to, to those media outlets. And I, I, I've just, it's just got to be candid. I, uh, I, I still view myself as modestly to the right of center in, in American politics, kind of a, you know, the, the, the conservative internationalist, all right? And, and I, I do think an awful lot of American media, Fox News, uh, the alt-right media, certainly, most of talk radio, has moved away from conservatism and in the direction of raw populism, which is very different from, uh, from conservatism. And I think that's at the expense of the values of American conservatism that I think we all thought we once shared. I couldn't agree with that more. But just to be crystal clear, if, if you hadn't become a critic of Trump, Fox News Channel would have been helping you promote your book, don't you think? Oh, if the book had been favorable to Trump, sure. They, 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 they definitely would be. Look, there are still folks on Fox who, who give, uh, Dan, Dan Perino is one, um, uh, Shepard Smith is another, Brett Baer, you know, who are straight news people. Uh, but an awful lot of Fox now, and frankly, have become, I think, advocacy journalists. Not to be fair to everyone here, uh, they're not the only network with that problem, okay? Um, they each now has kind of staked out a out of position where you can broadly kind of expect what kind of treatment uh, you're going to get with regard with regard to the to the day's news. Um, what I recommend to folks is to be as eclectic as possible in their news stories. Uh, otherwise, they'll become ghettoized and reinforced in their beliefs when they actually should be challenged. Those are great words of wisdom, and uh, General Hayden, good luck with the book, and thanks so much for your time. Oh, my pleasure, John. Thank you. A lot of interesting things there from General Hayden. To me, the line that really resonated the most <laughs> is when he talks about how it is that, and I'm paraphrasing here, how people who have come to a conclusion like supporting Trump that's based not on facts but on emotion cannot be convinced or persuaded by facts. Which makes sense. If you've come to a conclusion that aren't based on facts or logic, facts and logic are going to have no influence on moving you off of that position. And I think that's a really important concept to keep in mind as this investigation goes forward and why it is that I am incredibly pessimistic that regardless of what Robert Mueller comes up with, uh, that it's really going to make much of a difference with regard to the Trump cult or even the the general Republican Trump supporter. But uh, anyway, I do believe that Michael Hayden is an incredibly important voice on this topic. As always, ask a number, just two things of you. Number one, please share this via social media, Twitter, Facebook, word of mouth, what have you. And number two, if you're one of those people who sleeps and when you sleep, you use sheets, please pay attention to this important message. My name is John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Ugh, like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed. Ever. These sheets are mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. <laughs> performance bedding? <laughs> yeah. They're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh. No wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. <laughs> well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like, mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should... Oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheik's. S-H-E-E-X.
Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. sleepcoolnow.com, 1212.